What's up, everybody? Welcome hey, to the Hump Podcast. I'm here with Micah and Garrett. We are in episode number 59, almost to the big 60. I can't believe we've made it that far. Uh, and uh, Just but we hope we'll, we'll all be 60 years old soon. Yes, yeah, one day we'll all yeah, be I mean, 60 years old, and we'll be on episode 6,000. Million. million. Dude, what if we do this for 35 years? Hey, I'm in if y'all are in. Do we, do we need to sign a contract? I'm down. We'll just do Garrett, it. We'll sign a contract after this. But hey, guys, thanks I mean, for we're listening. We're not making any money off. <laughs> we're, we're going broke. So. Do we need to sign with a producer? Is yeah. that how podcasts work? Um, if we sign with a producer, I think I get fired. So. Oh, that's probably true. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, I'm down if that's what you guys want. <laughs> like, well, I'll still come unlock the doors and let you do it in here. But you know. Well, We'll just have you as a guest. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. After that. Down well, thank you guys for listening today. Uh, we've been going through. If you haven't listened the past few weeks, um, we are going through a series on First John, and we've been going chapter by chapter. Today, we're on chapter four. Uh, so that means our episode sixty, we will finish First John, and then we will decide. At that point, what we will do, we'll do it on from air. this point on. That's what we called on-air producing. Exactly. We'll, um, we'll figure that out. Uh, yeah. But First John chapter 4, Garrett, Micah, how you doing? What's good? Uh, man, God is good. Amen. All the time. Speak about it. All him. the time. God is good. Um, that's our... Uh, Somebody give him praise. That's our youth ministry <laughs> mantra. That's how I get their attention. Uh, which I'm more thinking nowadays, like, is that a good way to get their attention? Just to tell them biblical truth? I managed. Hey, shut up! Does that, yeah, does that just become like a, oh, that is good. All the time. <laughs> yeah. So, kind of and like then, how Joel or how Jonah was with, I know you're steadfast yeah, yeah, and faithful yeah. and compassionate. Yeah. I know someone named Jonah. But, you know, I think about that and then I'm like, yeah. So then at, usually at the end of every time I do it, because I kind of hear the groan of like, all the time, God is good. I pick one student out and I'm like, hey, did you know God is good? And I just like try to reiterate it, and then I just go with whatever we're doing. That's so, good. Um, I'm good though, and God is good. Garrett, how are you, man? <laughs> well, hanging in there. Just started my semester this week, so um, it's Me too. one of those. It's that week of like looking at the syllabus and your how does it the feel? Courses and you're like, holy smokes! To be on Here we go. on plane with me that no, we talked about this last week, but it's official now. That you're the, me and you're the only ones in the room that don't have a master's. Yeah. So, you know what that means? Whenever there's a tough question, we go, Christian? You have to ask Christian. <laughs> but, but, but you can't say Christian. You have to say Master Christian. Master Christian. <laughs> would would you, you help us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't wait until one of you gets your doctorate. I will never stop calling you doctor or whatever. Uh, we'll see. I don't know if that will happen. I, I have <laughs> a strong sneaking, Garrett will. I don't know I about that. I have a strong me. sneaking suspicion you both will have it before I will. <laughs> I don't know, Micah. You, you you got a chance. They might give no, you an I mean, honorary chance, doctorate. But I've got to sign up and I've got to sign up and actually like go through the coursework before I do it. Unless he, you get honorary. He, yeah, get like Will Farrell got an honorary doctorate or something. Me and Will Farrell have the same scar on our stomachs. So. Hey. Hey. It's bound I to might, be then. I'll call him up. We have a <laughs> Facebook group about the type of surgery we had, so just kidding. But anyway. I actually for a second was like, really? Well, no, for real. Oh, not the Facebook group, but we yeah. do have the same score. We had, we had the same uh, problem as a baby. So, small world, me and Will, and we're both comedians. And y'all are both comedians, Chirp. that's for sure. Chirp. Micah and Will Ferrell, Chirp. identical twins. Crickets. You both have those curly but he is hairs. Much and... taller than me. So. Yeah, that's all right. All right. You'll hit your growth spurt. So, you doing good, Garrett? Master's going well? You excited about this semester and all the work that you're going to have? Yeah, I'm actually 
really excited for these classes. That's good. That's how I know you should be Doing in the program is when you're excited about it. Exactly. Super excited. Eschatology oh, yeah. this semester and a, to- a seminar on the atonement. Mm. Fun, fun stuff. Yeah. I will say, I, like, I'll be honest, I, I put on a lot on this uh, this podcast about being dumb and I'm not really putting on there. I just am dumb, but but like that stuff fascinates me, and like I would love to like be in the class, but not do the work. Yeah, like I don't want to write the papers. I don't want, like. You can sit in. I'll let you yeah. watch my video lectures. That I, I might be watch. down to do that. Like I, I like legit like don't want to write. Well, I, I'll I'll say stuff. like I know it would help you learn. I know it does. But like you were talking before about how you all are starting this series on Revelation in your youth ministry group, and I've taught on Revelation before. And even in my study on Revelation, there's just so much that gets that, that we just don't really, unless someone's like walking us through yeah. it, like the millennium stuff. Um, there's so much more to it that I've just not, and just in the first week of classes and lectures, I've I've realized that there's so much that I just didn't yeah. realize right. with premillennialism. Yeah, I mean, it really shocks me that I'm allowed to teach people things. Right, because I mean, I don't know any of it. So. <laughs> you know, one of the hard things you talk about Revelation. We're, we're, we'll get to this. Actually, I mean, we're this so is, close to Revelation as it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is First John, but even in First John chapter four, we're talking about today false <gasps> prophets and the Antichrist. Mm. And um, you know, I think a lot of people they try to. Uh, it seems like every presidential candidate somebody calls the Antichrist. Yeah, uh, or mm-hmm. or there's somebody that arises. I, I remember, I, I remember people were fully convinced that Barack Obama was the Antichrist, uh, and and then I think it was probably the same for Trump and the same for Biden. It seems like there's always someone that comes out that that he is definitely the Antichrist, yeah. uh, or or it might be even some like famous celebrity figure uh, in the world. But um, we're gonna talk about that a little yeah. bit today. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I think it's really important too before we kind of dive any further into first john that we say something about what's going on as john's writing this letter um we probably should have brought this up last week in chapter three because that's when he really starts hitting on it but he really fills it in more in chapter four but he's he is going up against what is called Gnosticism. Mm. Um, and it's spelled with a silent G. That's so nasty. Gnosticism. Gnosticism. <laughs> I like that better. I think we should change it to Gnosticism. Gnosticism. Mm. Um, so he... Gnosticism is the What would belief, you call someone that is... Gnostic. Believes in Gnosticism? A Gnostic. Okay. Yeah, not ag... Ag... Not agnostic... There's a difference between agnostic and a gnostic. What go. is the difference? Agnostic just doesn't believe. They believe in a supreme being, but they don't necessarily believe that being has revealed himself as God mm. in any form of religion. Okay. Gnosticism is actually the opposite. So agnosticism is the belief that there is a supreme being and it's impossible for us to know that supreme being gnosticism is the belief that there is a supreme being and only some people have had that revelation that super spiritual yeah the special knowledge so um that word gnosticism comes from the greek word um uh, gnosko and that word so it should means be gnostic. knowledge. Yeah. Should be it should be. Yeah, but whenever we're that changing word, it for now on, it's gnostic. Whenever that word got switched into um, 
English, they made it silent for whatever English reason. ruins everything. Yeah. But gnosko means I know. It's just, it means to know. And and so it's, Paul, uh, John is writing, so it, it was in the early uh, second century, like in the 100s to 200s, that this this heresy of Gnosticism really got rampant, where it wasn't necessarily John that was writing against it, but it was people like Augustine and um, Irenaeus, these other church fathers that came after John that really wrote against Gnosticism. But John is kind of writing against Gnosticism's beginning to form, where people are saying, well, you know what, we have this extra spiritual insight. And so believe us, believe what we're saying, because we have the spiritual insight, we have this special knowledge. That's what the Gnostic um, Gnosko means. We, we have this knowledge, this special revelation that we know God and you don't know God. And so you got to make sure you listen to what we have to say. And this is starting to arise in John's day, but it really makes its head kind of in the latter <clears throat> second century and early third century. Um, but already, John, that's kind of why he's writing this letter to the whole church is listen, you know, Jesus is the spirit we listen to. His spirit is the spirit that reveals the Father. Anything else, any other teaching that there's more to be had, that there is something else, is not from Christ. It's actually anti-Christ. So it's opposite of Christ. It's in opposition to what Christ is doing because it's in opposition to Christ's spirit. And that's what John is is writing about here in chapter 4. I I was doing some some reading. Oh, did I just... I just broke my my long term joke that I can't read. Oh, <laughs> well, I the truth has come out. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm just a a, a liar. I guess that Mike would make me. Sorry. is a deep sorry down to all my listeners. Theologian. This is a moment of confession. I do know how to read, barely. Uh, I can I, read. I was doing some reading about barely. the Antichrist since we're doing Revelation with our student ministry, and some one of the common threads of belief is that the Antichrist is going to be this opposite of Christ. That is. You know, as we think about Christ as compassionate, merciful, loving, this Antichrist will be someone that is hateful and, and dominating and like evil. But this, there's another strain of thought with this word Antichrist is that this is not going to be someone who's the exact opposite of Jesus, but almost an image of Jesus. Mm. But they're a distortion. Yeah. They're, so they're, they, this might be an extremely compassionate person. This might be a really kind person. might be a person that when you see them on TV, because the point of this Antichrist is to pull believers yeah. from Jesus to this Antichrist and to the dragon and to you know, the well, beast. You know, think of all these false teachers that have arisen and, and right. gained following. Yeah. It wasn't because they were super hateful and everyone's like, man, I want to follow that super hateful right. person. It's because they were charismatic and everyone yeah. was like, man, that, yeah. that guy's- And if you look in history at, at evil rulers, we've looked in history at people that, you know, not to name anybody, but maybe killed like six million Jews or anyone like that. Napoleon. That too. There would have, yeah, there there's there's trains of thoughts like that's the Antichrist because they're so mm-hmm. evil. And in fact, really, if you take the line of thinking that that is that the Antichrist might be an image of Jesus, might look like Jesus, that immediately excludes them from being the Antichrist. But you can also say like with Hitler, which is who you were referencing, yeah. you know, uh, he he had a following. Yeah. He was charismatic. Yeah. People followed him yeah. into the but gates how of many, hell, literally. But how basically. many? How many? I mean, you're right. There, but how many people didn't like him? Yeah. So my vision of the Antichrist, as I read through Scripture, is that as I read through like Revelation, look at kind of the description, is that this Antichrist is not going to have many haters. Mm. You know, as far as 
Now, true believers, as it tells us, are going to be able to recognize that this is the Antichrist yeah. or that these, this, there's something wrong here because of their actions and their beliefs. But to just a, a you know normal person without maybe any religious affiliation or any lean towards God or whatever, mm-hmm. they're going to look at this person and be like, I want to follow this person because they're solving world hunger yeah. or they're doing this massive thing that yeah. we want to be a part of it. And we have to, too, you know, in First John chapter 4, it starts off, it says this, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. He says this, he says, for many false prophets have gone into the world. And John is given this idea that at this time and at every moment in history, there are people um, who appear to have a resemblance of Christ or appear to be a Christ follower or appear to say some truths that are in Scripture, but in reality they're false prophets. Mm-hmm. And, and John, um, he gives an example of this, Jesus Christ. He even gives a warning of false prophets. There's several mentions of false prophets in the Scripture. Yeah. Uh, we were doing a Wednesday night Bible study last night. Uh, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 7, towards the end, uh, Jesus, he, he warns the crowd of these false prophets. And you know what he says? You know how he describes them? He, he says these false prophets, he, he says, they uh, they come to you in sheep's clothing, mm. but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And, and a lot of times it's hard for us to detect who is a false prophet, and it would have been the same in this time. Sometimes it's hard to detect who's against God because on the outside, it looks like they have it all together. It looks like they're doing all the right things, or it might look like they even know a little bit about Scripture. Uh, but in reality, once you get deep down, uh, you're going to see on the inside, uh, if you are truly uh, able to focus on the words they're saying and watch the lifestyle they live, you, you'll see a false prophet on the inside. They're going to yeah. be a ravenous wolf. They're ready to destroy. Yeah. Um, they are all about self. Uh, and, and But this is a warning because, John, not only was it prevalent in this time, but, man, think about now. I believe, and I'm, we're not going to call people out <laughs> that we believe are false prophets. Garrett. Um, <laughs> that, that's not the point of this podcast. Uh, more just encourage you through the scriptures. But there are false prophets and people we listen to, Yeah. Uh, whether it's on YouTube, TV, or even in your own daily Garrett. life. Garrett. <laughs> um, we, we need to watch out for those. And, and throughout scripture, a lot of the mentions of Antichrist are not always pointed at one person like the time that it talks about you know many times it talks about an antichrist it's not always referring to this one antichrist that will come but a lot of times it's just referring to false prophets and so yeah. a lot of times we see that word antichrist and we immediately think es- eschatology es- eschatology that's a hard word to say it is words are hard we immediately think of revelation end times the antichrist and we think of this person on a pedestal but a lot of a lot of the the references to an antichrist which there's not that many in scripture uh, there's quite a few of like the actual word Antichrist, but there's not like thousands and thousands. Um, a lot of times it is talking actually about just false prophets in general or an, an Antichrist that yeah. might arise in your life or and, in, in the world that right. you're around. And then, so. of course, in, in verse 3, Michael, exactly what you're saying, um, verse 3 says, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Yeah. And it says, This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming. And then John says this, it says the spirit of the Antichrist is now in the world already. It's already in the world. Uh, so there is already a spirit of the Antichrist. There's going to be an Antichrist in the end, but there's already that spirit mm. um, about those who are, uh, they sort of look similar to Jesus, but in reality they're against him. Well, and it shows the, the importance for us to really know what we're professing. Oh, for you sure. You know, I, I think <clears throat> we, we so often just kind of, 
go down to the very basics of gospel, which, you know, is, is good for evangelism. Christ died so that we may live. Mm-hmm. But then if you just stop there and you don't continue to grow, then you're not going to be able to spot, you know, these wolves in sheep's clothing. They're, you know, very creative in, in their clothing. Yeah. And if you don't really know more on what we believe, you're going to be easily able to fall into it. And, and that's what happened with the early church is there were these heresies that centered around Christology, that centered around who Christ was and the study of, of Christ being both God and man. And so like Gnosticism believed that uh, Christ was a phantom, that Christ was a spirit in a, in a, in a, in like a, uh, uh, like a, a, a mirror of a physical body. So essentially, like, think of it as he's a pro- he has a spirit and then he's projecting a body. Like, yeah. he wasn't actually a body. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what a lot of Gnostics believe. And, and then you have um, Apollinarianism that would believe that Jesus had a human body, but he wasn't actually fully God. He just had the mind of God within him. And, and, and Arianism and that Jesus didn't have any... Sp- divinity in him. He was just man and and had the spirit of God fall upon him whenever he was baptized. So you have all of these different heresies that were popping up around the time shortly after John would have written this letter. And and that's why this letter is so important, because at the foundation of the early church, as all the apostles, what's called the apostolic age, as they're all dying, as the apostolic age is ending, John is writing this letter to say, listen, Anyone that confesses that Jesus, or that doesn't confess that Jesus has come in the flesh and that Jesus is God, that person is not from God. So if you're hearing someone that say, well, Jesus was just a spirit and didn't come in the flesh, or if you're hearing someone say, well, Jesus was flesh but wasn't fully God, any of these things are antichrists. They're, they're people that are, you know, packing it up in a nice box and a beautiful bow, but there's just simply wolves coming to devour. Um, And that's why it's so important that we have the Spirit in us so that we can discern and know and and that we are seeking the truth so that we can combat the heresies and the lies that the wolf brings. And in verse 5, it talks about, John goes on, he, he says, they speak from... Um, the world, therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. And uh, of course, there, there are people who uh, they do have a following. Um, people are the world is going to listen to them. Uh, but, but I kind of want to ask you guys, and I think this will be good for, for those listening today, is that I believe that there are. Well, I, I know there are false prophets um, all throughout the world today. There might be some in our community. There might be some um, that uh, are on our TV or on the internet or on mm. our social media apps. How do you guys determine uh, who is a false prophet? What are some of your best ways? Like when you're listening to, because uh, I know both of you guys listen to, to sermons online or uh, you listen or follow different people. Uh, how do you determine uh, in your own mind who you believe, and we're not going to call any names out, but but who you believe yeah, kind of is a false prophet and is not representing Christ? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to listen, so. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um it's changed. Yeah, there's this guy at Russell Springs for now. <laughs> no, I mean I think uh, I think I think we for one I think we oft, often look at the way someone maybe well I'll just say for me it, it's it's often like you said how how the what the person is teaching are they teaching the Bible or are they just teaching 
this worldly idea. And, and you gotta you you have to be able to separate teaching the Bible and teaching sound doctrine from the right. Bible. You know, right. a lot of people take the Bible and put what they want it to say. Exactly. On it. Right. Like Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. Oh yeah. They teach the Bible. They use the, yeah, they but use they're not it. teaching exactly. the Bible. Yeah. And and that's <clears throat> that's what I'm referring to is, is there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of teachers online and, and I mean, honestly, like you said, there's a lot of mega church pastors that, that, you know, I'm not going to say that they're false prophets, but that some of the teachings that I hear, or at least what's advertised yeah. is like, I don't even know what scripture they're talking, you know, like you're yeah. like, I don't even know. And so, and again, I, I hesitate to call anyone a false prophet, you know, but at the same time, Sometimes you can tell, yeah. like you can tell based on, and I and I, I will say I don't think all cases are someone who is desiring to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. I think sometimes we're just misguided. Some, I know sometimes people misunderstand the scripture, absolutely. and we're there to guide them. I absolutely, mean, that's okay. And I think it's important that for me, I, there's just such a correlation with. <laughs> There are there are also some great ones, and I won't even mention the names of some of the great ones that I think that are that lead mega churches, and that I think are really sound in their biblical doctrine and that have a team of people around them that help keep yeah. them on the right. I think there's such a correlation with it when you get a following. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see it with famous people outside secular world and Christian world that, man, they start getting changed yeah. by the fame and right. they start to adapt maybe what they're teaching because of their following. Um, they want to tickle the ears of their listeners. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I'm, I'm here to tell you, if I had a following, I think that would be my biggest struggle in life would be to not fall into pleasing the my current yeah. listeners or my so i'm not by any means saying these people are terrible humans i think i would fall into the same thing if i had a, a, a platform uh a big platform with global you know means mm-hmm. but you know i think that's the biggest thing for me is like garrett was saying you know the, the the biblical truth they teach and and based on their doctrine are they interpreting it the way they want to interpret scripture yeah. or are they interpreting it as it's supposed to be, you know, as it's so, given. Are they reading it in the context that it's been given, or are they just totally yeah. changing? Because there are truths in Scripture that we can glean, we can learn from, we can say, this isn't written to me, you know, the disciples, the, the Great Commission, he was telling his disciples, but if we're disciples, we get the same, you know. Yeah. So it's very easy to look at the Great Commission and say, oh, he's writing to us. Well, no, I mean, he's writing to, or Jesus was talking to his disciples, and it's a recording of that. But we get the same calling right. if we're disciples. It boils down to the difference between what's called exegetical interpretation mm-hmm. and eisegetical interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, exegetical, um, I actually just wrote a book recently on this, just a little short, like 70-page book. Shout you out. can find and, it on Amazon? Yeah, Shout no, out. you can find it in a pamphlet that I <laughs> just <laughs> gave out to my church. If anyone ever gets to read those, those first couple chapters, small group, questions the discussion questions are pretty good yeah he helped me with this oh really there you go (laughs) Um, do i get a do i i'll get to write the foreword if that ever gets uh (laughs) yeah it's not good enough to be published um but anyway so you the way i i I explained it is exegeting an exegetical interpretation is extrapolating you're, you think of like an archaeologist who digs down into the dirt in order to pull history from the dirt. That's exegesis. Yeah. Eisegesis is infiltrating. You are, you are putting yourself into history. Yeah. Like you're, you're putting what you think. Your context. Yeah, your, your context world. into a historical context. And the way you tell 
<clears throat> a heretical teacher is are they pulling from scripture are they extra, ex- excavating scripture in order to extrapolate <coughs> the original meaning or are they putting what they want to be found into scripture um and the the way this happens the most you can divide it into three different categories right now that are that are really affecting especially the evangelical church today is the prosperity the prosperity gospel um, isogetical hermeneutic, mm-hmm. the progressive Christian um, exeget- or isogetical hermeneutic, and then there's also a, a trend of charismatic theology um, that is based off of an idea of healing and false prophecy and and literally like I'll call this guy out Todd White um, Whoa! as a preacher shout out. That he um he claims that Christians are gods, um, and he abuses scripture in the sense that where it says we're heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Do you think he he'll hear this and call you gods. out? Uh, yeah, I, I he'll doubt be it, here. Next I mean, week. what if September fifth sermon is wait fifth fourth fifth? What's today? The third third second 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 tomorrow. It's today's Thursday. <laughs> Woo! All right, sorry. Um, September 5th sermon is just like, the title is just like, Garrett, Freedom Christian Church. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let me blast this, man. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I, you know, I exegeted one time after I ate Taco Bell. <laughs> Did you say you exegeted? Yeah, no, exegeted. I, exegeted. <laughs> I just couldn't help but think, every time you said exegete and extrapolate, I mean, I just, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, it's just so important. Um and and the reason we're we're doing a study in our Wednesday night right now on reading scripture and i just think it's so important for the church for christians to understand yeah you know we have to pull from scripture well, look at, the I original mean, meaning not i'll be honest you look at and I, christian i want to hear what you just asked us i want to hear your answer to that but i mean you look at church things that can lead to church splits and things that can lead to to problems in churches so many of those problems are because of eisegetical reading. Oh, yeah. I mean, so many of those arguments are because they two groups are reading Scripture two different ways, and neither are right. Yeah. Neither and both are, are arguing, yeah, because they're they're like, you know, well, you know, whatever, if it's about women in the church or if it's about communion and how, you know, like, they're, they're not reading it in the context it was given. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember, while Scripture tells us it is a living, breathing word, and it is, it's adaptable to all times. It's amazing when you're reading back to stuff that was happening 2,000 years ago and how prevalent some yeah. of these truths are still today. You know, in example, sins and temptations. I mean, sin is still sin. Yeah. We package it differently now. Instead of instead of it being, you know, people that you see in person 2,000 years ago, we do it on a Burger King commercial. Um, you know, we sell things differently and it's packaged differently. Um, but it's important to remember the context of what you're reading and when it was written so that you can learn more fully the reasoning Behind the text. And, and a major issue, a major reason why eisegetical reading happens so much is because we are reading... It's easier, too. Yeah, it's, it's easier. It's real easy to just read it because and go, yeah. we're we All of Scripture was written from an Eastern line of thinking, yeah. from a Hebraic yeah. line of logic. Because even Western the New thinkers. Testament, even though the New Testament was written in the Greek language, it was written by Jewish Christians that had this Hebraic line of thinking. Now, the diff- the reason that's important is because the way you and I think 
is, is what's called Western line logic. It's linear logic. Point A brings you to point B, which brings you to point C, which brings you to the conclusion of point D. It's, it's linear. Everything is connected. In Eastern logic, and, and specifically Hebrew logic, it's called block logic, where you have something like God is sovereign. That's one block of logic. God is vengeful. That's another block of logic. God is full of love. That's another block of logic. And, and some of those times, those things seem to contradict. How can God be vengeful over humanity's sin, but still love humanity? It doesn't seem to connect. And if you would ask a rabbi about that, a Jewish rabbi, they would say, well, I don't know. It's a mystery, but it's not worth investigating. I just know that God is vengeful, and I know God is love. Yeah. But for us, we have to explain that away. And so we put our all of our context and all of our meaning that we know from, or that we think we know today, into what was never meant to necessarily be pulled because it was written with a different logic. And and that's not to say it's we shouldn't wrestle with Scripture because, you know, Israel got its name because Jacob wrestled with God. You know, Israel was meant to wrestle with God, and so we are meant to wrestle with, with, with theology and with Scripture. But we also have to come to this conclusion that if we really want to understand what's written here, it, it's not written to us in our context today. It was written to a context thousands of years ago, and to find that meaning, we got to pull from from it, we got to dig down into it. Our, our meaning has to mean the same thing that it meant when yeah. it was written. But our, the application is different, obviously, because yeah. it's a different time. Exactly. But they, the they meaning have, has they, to be the same. They didn't have, let's say, it, a computer to look up porn on. Yeah. But yeah. in the same t- way, they, they had still had those lust. temptations. Yeah, yeah they oh, had yeah. Uh, prostitutes and things like that. So, so I mean, there there is a difference in the way it's applied. But yeah, it, it needs to mean the same thing that the author meant. And, yeah. and we can't apply it effectively to our lives if we don't understand the real meaning of it. So we have to, that, there's an order, and that's exegesis. Yeah. You have to uh, learn the meaning before you can apply it yeah. to your life. And like you said, this all is coming because... The, the best one's Philippians 4.13 to me. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite one. That's, I'm oh, yeah. Because, I mean, we just, we, I mean, someone just Googles verse about persevering or whatever. Ver- and verse about God helping you. Yeah, I can do all things for Christ. Well, that's crazy. I, I can jump over that 10, 10 meter high hurdle. When in reality, whatever. it's talking about embracing suffering. But That's if you read around it, yeah. it talks about suffering. And so when you read it in context and you go, oh, he's not, it's, it's not, it, this is a, a, a call out to the, when I'm, you know, when I'm weak, I'm made, you know, I'm made perfect through God's strength. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to like, I, I can kick that 57 mm-hmm. yard field goal, you know, like, <laughs> I try it though. I can, at least I can fly, you know, it's not about <laughs> our accomplishments. It's about All our, right. Our lives and, and when we're weak, uh, his power is made perfect through us. But so. this all connects like with what, what you asked about what are some false teachers we have. Well, all false teaching arises from heretical doctrine and that arises least, because we don't really... At least a degree of eisegetical. Yeah. Um, what, you don't have any difference on you, Christian, and you as far no, as... No, pretty much the only thing I'd say, like, in, in order... I mean, that's perfect. In order to, to find, like, a, a false prophet, you have to match them up to what's coming out of Scripture. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the biggest test. Like, w- one way you can look at their practical lives, uh, though it is hard because Jesus said they're going to be like a ravenous wolf dressed as a sheep. Yeah. Um, but Jesus talks about in Matthew 7, you're going to see the fruit from their life, mm. uh, that a good tree is going to produce good fruit. So you're a, saying that... A preacher that owns a three hundred thousand dollar Lamborghini—that's <laughs> not good fruit. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> I don't own a three. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. But, <laughs> but in the same token, what makes it difficult is, is there anything wrong with owning a Lamborghini? Yeah, and that's something you have to decide. I think everybody's context yeah. and position is different. Um, but, but also mainly with fruit is like thinking of you're going to see a result from their life, like the way they live their life. If you yeah. look close enough, you're going to be able to tell. Well, and I think a lot of prosperity gospel t- teachers see that, yeah. and they'll, and that's why they'll say, "Look at my life. Look how blessed I am. Look how much I have." Yeah. So if you want to have what I have, yeah. you know, follow this right. this theology and line of thought that I'm giving. And of you. course, people follow it because one, they think it's godly. Yeah. And two, they think, oh well. Well, if he's it receiving, benefits me as well. Yeah. If he's want receiving blessings. Him. It must be true. Yeah. So yeah, my first thing is you can look it up a person's life and a lot of times figure out if they are a true disciple or a true prophet. And then, and then secondly, you know, just going along with that, um, you have to know the scriptures. And, mm-hmm. and I encourage you, if you're listening today, uh, and this is something I'm challenging myself, is to learn more and more about God's word. Uh, you know, I love to read and I love to watch videos, but but there is no substitute for reading the actual word yeah. of God. I, I even love devotionals. I, I mean, I have devotionals. Those are good, like people explain, explaining scriptures, commentaries are good. Th- those are great, but I still think nothing beats, and I think you should use those, uh, but nothing beats just reading the Word of God because you have to hide it in your heart. Um, mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. Maybe you're listening to somebody. It's a friend or, or somebody on uh, the Internet or whatever it might be, and in that moment, you have that split decision. You're going to have to decide, all right, is this true or not? Uh, and, and it's going to come from your intake of Scripture uh, whether you're able to determine that, all right, is what they're saying back biblically. And the more you know about Scripture, the easier it's going to be. And I think one of the worst questions, I hate this question that gets asked so much now in modern Bible studies, what do you feel that Scripture means? Yeah. What do you think that so great, Scripture means? What do you feel? Means? Which, would four, which would be eisegesis. Which would be eisegesis. But it's ideas. the most often For, asked to question. To clarify, let me clarify. When we're saying exegesis and eisegesis, it's not... J-E-S-U-S. It, it's not Jesus, like yeah, no, the yeah, Son of yeah. God. It's J. So, it's G-E-S-I-S on yeah. both of those. So just, I just because I say it comes I mean, from it's it's a, they're both Greek words. X means um, to lead um, to lead out from, and then ago, um, or X means out, and ago means lead. So exegesis means to lead out from. Isegesis, ice means into, means to lead into. No, ice is a form of water. Yeah. Yeah, oh, right. sorry. Yeah, sorry. Right. But, you know, I, the, the fact that in, in our, the, you know, I, I love the small group setting. I think the church has to move to the small group Bible study setting if we really want to reach the, the, the next generation of believers. But there is a really big danger in that, and a cop-out question being, okay, we just read those 10 verses. What do you all think they mean? What do you feel like that God is telling you through that? Yeah. Well, that's subjective. That's not objectively pulling yeah. the meaning from Scripture. That's saying, yeah. well, everyone else has their own thought on it instead of saying what the yeah. Scripture actually said. I just thought of a hum moment for another day, the difference of subjective and objective. Because mm-hmm. I never know the difference. So we'll, we'll get, get to those right later. Now. No, we ain't got time. Uh, <laughs> um, so as Garrett was talking about, talking about God's love, you know, he's talking about the different, the Hebraic way of thinking is more spider-webbed than linear. Um, chapter or, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, 
that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Was anybody counting how many times he says love? And that, I mean, it has <laughs> to be like 10, 10 or 12. So I think, passage, oh my gosh, I, I, this, I mean, there's so many, I mean, you look at scripture, I feel like calling cards for Christians. There's so many different passages, you know, John three sixteen. there's so many different descriptions about Christianity, but man, this one, this one feels good, right? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. And since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. I just think we as Christians, and I have thought about this a lot in my own life, I think we are so, I think we can be so blinded by doctrine, by church, by all of the many things that we feel like as Christians we're responsible for that, man, we forget to love. I like, I genuinely believe the church's, 21st century church's biggest problem is we just don't love. I think we argue so much. I think about the LGBT community, and I think about the response the church has had to that, and I've heard stories of the church just not loving people. And we look at the, you know, kind of the fallout of the church, and we're always going to have fallout because Scripture tells us if we're in in Christ and and we're like Christ, the world's going to hate us because they hated him first. So we're always going to have people that hate us. But I also feel like we have such a large number of people that are what, I would call border border Christians because we're not challenging people to love. I mean, Jesus tells us the two most important commandments are love God and love others. And literally, if we're doing those, he says, by doing these two, if you're doing these well, you're you've already com- you're completing all the other commandments. You're yeah. following those. You know, you're not murdering, you're not stealing, you're not lying because you're loving people. Yeah, I think nice. we just overlook the importance and how many times. I mean, the phrase if you we. There's resources I can look this up. I haven't. I just was thinking about it. I bet you love one another or some form of loving people. I mean, how many times is that in Scripture? You know, I mean, I think, I, don't, I mean, we can look it up now, but I mean, just think about that phrase. How much, how often do you think, how many passages do you know that are centered around the idea of love? Um, and I just think, man, I just think we, I think we miss that. I really do. I think we as the, as the you know, the church, uh, global, uh, you know, you look at what, um, some of these organizations in the last year or two have had splits. Some of these massive church organizations have had splits because I feel like we're f- totally forgetting this idea of love. Now, does that make life easy? No. There's still a lot of areas that are challenging um, because we also are still called to to correct those who need to be corrected in the faith. But we can do it with, with love. I mean, I just think, man, I just think we miss that so often. We just... We try to do everything else, and yet we forget to love. I think people. a good thought experiment on it is: we are God is love. We are called to love. We know that in eternity, all believers will be together. Yeah. So if we are meant to be in love, or if we if we're meant to love, how do we expect to live in eternity right next to a fellow believer that we hate? Yeah, you know, how is that going to be possible? We are going to be in a dwelling place where love is palpable. Yeah, like we are with the God of love, and there's nothing but love. There's nothing but love. So, how are we going to exist in that eternal existence when we're sitting at the table with someone that we hate? Yeah. 
You know, it's it's just there's no room for that. And and that doesn't say that when someone that someone wrongs you, you're meant to joyfully love them and express love in the wrong. I mean, I will say though, Christ did. Yeah, but it's a little bit more difficult for us to do it. But that also means that we don't hold hate in our heart for the actions of someone else, even though sometimes those actions are just awful. Yeah. Uh, and skipping to verse 19 through 21, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet he hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So that's what you're saying. Yeah. How in the world can we say, man, I love God, but yet not love our neighbor. Not love in this form of brother here. Garrett might be able to know the original Greek because I think he's got the whole New Testament memorized. But <laughs> I don't, this is not a sibling brother. This is a human, like brother or sister as a human. Um, fellow human, maybe is a, is a better word there to throw in there for full understanding. But how can we say that we love God and yet be like, the priest or the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan and pass that person that needs help. I mean, how can we say, oh, I love God and I go to church, I do all the things, but like there's these seven people in my life that I hate. Yeah. I can't stand them. I don't even want to talk to them. I talk about this about students a lot. How can you say you love God and pass that kid in the hall every day and not want to talk to him because his hair is different than yours or whatever, right. you know? And so I think it's so important, man. I think I just I mean, I think it's so it's hard to do. It's not easy to accomplish, but man, we have just overcomplicated what following Jesus is. And at the end of the day, it's loving God and loving others. Right. And if we don't love others, then we don't love God. Yep. And if we don't love God, then we get and to we... face eternal punishment. <laughs> so I just, man, I don't know. That this Those passages always hit me really hard when they just talk about loving one another because I know I don't do it well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the hardest thing to do in... Yeah. And and, and simple doesn't always mean any, easy. In anthropological history, it's the hardest thing to do yeah. because we naturally split into tribes. We I naturally fight. split into um, different cultures. We separate ourselves. We we cliques aren't something that's simply relegated to high schools. It's right. something that's happened all throughout history. Yeah. So love is not a natural emotion for us towards another person and yet that's the natural emotion of God towards a humanity that is distinctly against his nature. Yeah. He loves us. So if he can do that for us, why can't we do that for someone else? Yeah. Um even and it's hard, you know, like I said, anthropo- anthropologically. And love is it's a command in scripture uh and because it's commanded we know every day we're not going to feel like loving, but love's not a feeling. It's a choice. Mm. And one of the True. things we're going to have to do is when, since God's commanded us to do this, where we are personally going to have to make this choice every day, am I going to love just myself or am I going to love others like God has called me to do? Mm. Yeah. So to kind of wrap up, I want to read uh, 13 through 18. We kind of went out of order there, but Garrett was talking about 19 through 21. So uh, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. 
and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Powerful stuff, man. Powerful stuff from an old Johnny boy. Old Johnny boy. Um, Johnny be good. It's it's funny just how difficult. Why do you feel like those is. two little mini passages were paired together, Antichrist and love? Well, I think uh, obviously that the chapters and verses come later, but yeah, but you know you're coming from this this pronouncement that John has against a, a heretical teaching, um, probably the early stages of Gnosticism. Yeah. Anytime there's a heretical teaching, there is a spirit of opposition, a spirit of conflict, a spirit of contrariness. That type of like divisiveness does not contain love. That mm. type of device, divisiveness is, I know better than you, so just you know, go fall in a hole, basically. And he's saying, like, no, here's how you know that it's a false teaching— that Jesus is God and man, and that's the truth. But here's how you see that mm. in these teachers. If they don't show love, well, then they don't have the spirit of Christ within and, them. And maybe he's talking about testing these spirits of these false prophets, and maybe this next part is saying God's loving ours. Hey, don't forget, we're still supposed to love those people. Yeah. You know, maybe there's an element of like, hey, yeah, these are false prophets that maybe we need to correct, but we're also still supposed to love them. Like you said, Instead of just because they believe something different, saying we'll go, go get thrown in a hole and get sold to the Egyptians mm-hmm. like Joseph. Instead, no, we need to love them. Uh, and maybe this is a, you know, and that's the thing is when you put it in context like that, it can change what what maybe your original thought was. You know, if you just were to read this passage, you might just think, well, John's just talking about loving people. Well, yeah, loving people's not that bad. At least the people that are easy to love. But if you put that with the false prophets. There's an element of, well, maybe John's also saying, hey, don't forget, yeah, you love people, but to truly be like God is is to love people that are not easy to love. So, um, so yeah. That's good stuff, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been over here stretching my neck. I yeah. don't want my neck start hurting. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> old, boys. Our chairs are not ergonomical, so eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> getting whiplash from turning and looking at it. Yeah, I so, my stretches in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. We don't have, do we have a home moment? We haven't done a home moment in a while. Oh, you know. Home moment is if you don't love, then you're not like God. I had a home moment. Huh. I got a good one. Go ahead. Let me think about it. Oh. I'm thinking if it's... Oh, it's the thinker. We're going to do some honor thinking. Are you thinking, thinking if it's like uh, appropriate? <laughs> no, no. I was thinking if He's I do He's a senior minister now. If I, all things are appropriate. <laughs> I was thinking if it was... He doesn't um, think of inappropriate things. If I had all the facts. I don't have all the facts. I'll have to come back with you next time. Hey, here on this podcast, we don't believe in facts. <laughs> <laughs> we believe in opinions. And you have one. Feelings oh. over facts. Let's get isogetical, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, in that case, we should probably just wrap up then before we before we just open up a can of worms that say something crazy. We might not be prepared to totally talk about. Um, yeah, so that's, been, that's how you get well known is you say controversial statements over and over again, and then uh, exactly. people fight over. Yeah, and it. you call out preachers that are heretical. Apparently, yes. Yeah. We well, that, listen, if we when Christian not, says we're not going to call anybody out, Garrett said, "I'm going to call this guy." Garrett said, "I got you." Here, here's the thing: if There's we're not meme, calling we out a, false teachers. 
then we're not showing a love for the sheep because mm. we're saying, you know, I know you're following this guy, and I know he's a false teacher. I know he's speaking contrary to the Bible right now, but I don't love you enough to pull you away from that wolf. Right. Well, in so, that case, next episode of the the uh, podcast, we're just literally going to spend thirty minutes calling Call Out Thursday. I mean, <laughs> just we used to have Call Out Tuesday in we, football. We could call it Throw Down Thursday. Throw Down Thursday. Did y'all ever? Yep. Did y'all play football? I when I was young. So basically, Call Out now. Tuesday was if you call had someone beef out. with somebody on the team. No You'd say, way. hey, I'll pick him, and we do the Oklahoma drill. Oh, cool. Now, if you call someone out, you better win. Oh, yeah. If you're calling them out, you better make sure you can get If you're in calling them out, you better win. So we, we The Oklahoma drill, there's two of them that I think. Is that the one where you start on your back, get up, and hit them? Yeah. There's another one that had, like, three layers, and one of them had the ball. I don't know what that one's called. And you have to tackle them. That's the other uh, person just runs through you. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called yeah. either. Yeah. Have you ever – have we talked about the American gospel on here before? I think so, yeah. Uh, well, we haven't got too in-depth. Well, I just want to advocate, you know, what we are talking about today really ties in a lot to that, to those two Hashtag not a sponsor. No, but, but if you're listening, I just really encourage you. There's, it's two documentaries, both done by the same people. The first one is called The American Gospel, um, Christ Alone, and the second one is Christ Crucified, American Gospel, Christ Crucified really really pertinent to to understanding why it's so important for us to understand scripture exegetically in order to keep ourselves away from these um false teachers that are in sheep's clothing um and and like you said Micah you know we do need to have empathy because it, it might be that these teachers started on the right path and just allowed the world to seep in and fell off. And maybe they can be brought back. But as of right now, there are a lot of teachers and a lot of churches that are teaching false doctrine. And you can watch American Gospel on YouTube and Amazon Prime. For oh, it's on YouTube? Yeah, you just, well, you got to rent it. Oh, you got to rent it. It's uh, $3. Yeah, Amazon Prime. $2.99. That's yeah. all you need. It's worth it. it oh, is. yeah. And I will say just... For a point of warning, there it's not necessarily the first one, but the second one it does get pretty in depth, and there might be times like they they section it out so that you have one section, and then it, it it'll you'll get a headline for the next section, so you do have chances to pause and kind of think about it. But there are times where it gets pretty deep, but it's really 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 important information. I want to do a uh, series on it on our Wednesday night study at some point. But that'd be good. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks for joining us today on the Hunt Podcast, episode 59. We are one episode away from episode 60, which really isn't that impressive. And but Micah will shave his head. I will not. But oh, no, I am right. looking forward to next Thursday where we come back for the episode 60. Um, make sure you leave us a review. Let us know if we're terrible, uh, <laughs> if we're reading exegetically or eisegetically. Um, but if you spell it wrong, your opinion <laughs> no longer can. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> So we uh, appreciate you guys. We love you. Um, we are thankful for uh, the ability just to get together and talk and, and chat. And hopefully you get something out of this. And most importantly, we hope that you are, like Christian was saying earlier, we hope you are encouraged to go and get in your word, uh, and get in, get in the Bible and learn more about it. Uh, like you said, there's no replacement for the word itself. There's there's things that can help you with it, but there's no replacement for getting in the word hey, itself. Hey, let's finish with one uh, new segment called Shout Outs. Oh, and shout out. What we're going to do is you just give a shout out to anything oh. you want to. I'm going to start off 
Uh, my shout out is the college football. It is college football weekend. Shout out to Cheesecake. Uh, Kentucky football is back, and I'm excited for it. Now, uh, <laughs> now you guys give your shout out. God, I'm going to have to think. Uh, the shout out to Cheesecake was a KSR callback for those that have listened <laughs> for a long time. Old Ramel Bradley. Um, I right, honestly yeah. like my shout out would have been exactly the same. Shout, I'll, t- I'll say this. Shout out to the full banana peel included eating starting quarterback of the uk wildcats will levis he eats a full banana with the peel peel and all he eats it just straight up just grabs and eats it it went national like good morning today or the today show or good morning america (laughs) one of those two picked it up and like talked about it that is nasty Uh, he said it uh when it ripens some it it, his was pretty spotty it was kind of gross looking (laughs) he said it it actually you don't really even taste it and there's another guy on uh, a podcast that did the same thing and he's like i'll be honest you actually don't really taste it he said you can kind of tell the texture but it doesn't really have a taste yeah that's so. interesting probably healthy for awful. you it's probably got good nutrients in the it has like peel. five times the potassium or something of like the bananas i don't know it's maybe not five times go. but it has a problem lot cramping this summer when it's hot probably has five or two, banana peels so. yeah i mean we might try one day on the podcast right, so there's Garrett, my shout out your shout out last one you, you had enough shout time. Me, shout gosh me out. i don't you know can shout me out. anything anything in the world shout, shout out to roast beef shout out bro Roast Scooby-Doo, beef. Shout out to that, anything you think. Scooby Doo, man, you just—I mean, what? I mean, you just come up with your own shout out. Something you appreciate. I'll, I'll shout out to whoever wrote the show Manifest. Bro, I've um, been watching it. It's fire. Oh, that was good. Man, it's good. Yeah. It's on it, Netflix. It, right? It's on Netflix, and and Netflix they it, it was run by NBC, and NBC discontinued it. NBC. NBC discontinued it. <laughs> Netflix picked up the what had been out the three seasons, and then people petitioned for and for netflix to to Put finish it out because they left it on a cliffhanger wow. and so there's going to be another are you done season. with it season three i'm done with season three yeah. so you can't watch Man, season good. one two and three on netflix you, you can. can you no, can you watch, watch season three. one two and three oh. but season four it, they're not going to start filming it probably until um the next couple months they said it might not be out it, it won't be out until at earliest next spring um because it got it lapsed nbc let it go and Netflix was going to pick it up, then they decide not to pick it up, and then people petitioned again to four of them to pick it up. So now they picked it up, and so That's awesome. man, it's it's a good show. Cool. Well, hopefully they, Netflix uh, doesn't burn. I it will to the say, <laughs> shout out to it, petition. It's a it's a sci-fi um, like thriller mystery, um, and I will say uh, that it. They they kind of use scripture sometimes like it's like kind of like oh look at us thing. talking about false prophets and um, look at Gary yeah. they, and they do it isogetically so there's times when I'm seeing them use scripture and they're like putting their own meaning it, I'm like oh, you got to think of it like <laughs> a massive treasure hunt yeah I mean it's the idea of like they're trying to solve this mystery yeah. and they're doing anything they can to figure out the problem with so, biblical eisegesis and so yeah, but there's so much of it that is yeah. yeah there's so much of it that is outside of the realm of the physical world so right. they're just yeah. grasping at anything they can to, try to explain, so. explain it but it's not really it's it's not a <laughs> don't watch it for uh, don't watch it for <laughs> biblical <laughs> biblical <laughs> veracity <laughs> just <laughs> entertainment just entertainment. yeah, yeah thanks I'll for uh it. being here with us today on the podcast uh look forward to uh next episode garrett i'll pray us out god we love you and we thank you we just uh thank you for this opportunity that we had uh to continue to walk through first john and we just pray that you be with us as we close it out on the next episode we just thank you for 
<clears throat> all of our uh, people that uh, listen, God, and are just a, a part of this podcast, God. They're not just listeners, but they're uh, fellow learners of the Word, and we just are, are thankful that you uh, allow us to, to have this ability just to be able to study from across state lines and uh, in different places with different people at different times. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.